You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. This is the mailbag edition for the week. Uh, getting you ready for the biggest preseason game of the season, which would be the uh, the San Francisco 33ers coming into Arrowhead to uh, continue their streak of bad luck and terrible football play uh, in route to being the worst team in football and giving the Chiefs the 33rd pick in the draft, the first pick in the second round. Here to talk about all the demise of the San Francisco 49ers are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, what's happened, my man? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm ready for this San Francisco 49ers game. It's coming up just a couple days away. I do hope that the game doesn't feel like it lasts five hours like this last game did with the Steelers. Now, five hours for a football game, not great, especially in the preseason. Five-star reviews for your favorite Arrowhead Pride Laboratory podcast, those are fantastic. We love them. We'll read those questions live on the podcast for you guys. You're probably tired of me asking for it. I'm sorry, but we really do appreciate them. We try to give you guys some screen time. If you come through with us, leave a name, a review, and a question. We'll get you guys covered. But the real reason that everyone is here tonight, Craig Stout, Barley Hop himself, is back. <laughs> His vacation is over. The main attraction has returned from a long, adventurous wildlife. He was hunting animals by hand. He was living with nothing. He is back. How are you doing today, Craig? I am doing fantastic. I got to finally take a week off. My first podcast that I've missed since we've started these, you guys. My first Bum. one ever. Um, humble brag? Yeah, humble brag. Yeah, you know, carrying it. So anyway, I just want to let you guys know, I uh, want to get this out of the way real quick. My man, Ryan Call from Left Hand Brewing Company, at Left Hand Ryan, took very, very, very good care of me while I was out there. He is a massive Chiefs fan. He's a sales director for Left Hand Brewing out there. For me, if you guys are looking for beer, if you are looking for something new to drink, go out, buy something from Left Hand Brewing. I love Milk Stout Nitro. Tag me at Barley Hop. Tag him at Left Hand Ryan. Let him know that you went out there and you tried something new because you heard about it. He's, he's, he was too kind to me and my family out there. So I just wanted to give him a shout out. Did, uh, and, and if you don't know, Craig is apparently rocking a left hand brewing uh, t shirt as well. So, I mean, he's just full on plugging on the live stream on the podcast. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad uh, that you survived. Maddie was worried that you were going to be res uh, you wrestled a tiger. Uh, so uh, I'm really glad you made it out of here. Okay, uh, let's just jump right into all these questions. We've got a lot of questions this week. We've got them um, from the Gmail. 
We have them from uh, from the five star reviews. We have them from Twitter. So let's just jump right in. I'm, we're gonna probably take some on the uh, from the live stream as well here. Let's start with this one. It's uh, from uh, the Gmail account apnerdsquad at gmail.com. D- Derek Jansen asks, "How does Colin Saunders compare to Dantari, hungry, hungry hip Poe <laughs> coming out of college?" I mean, there is some similarities in their game. I think Poe's a massively bigger player, so he just has a little bit bigger ceiling in that regard and the fact that he had seven inches on Colin Saunders and definitely a good 20, 30 pounds, even though they were both relatively large human beings. The thing is, I think Dontari Poe was still raw coming out, but he was so much farther along than Colin Saunders is right now. Even though he wasn't in great shape, he was just a little bit ready, more ready for the NFL game. And it still took Poe a couple years to really figure it all out. So it's a decent comparison, but I think Saunders is going to be much more of a pass rusher rather than a run stuffer that Poe kind of became known for. His pass rushing was good for a 340, 330-pound guy, but Saunders is a little bit quicker laterally. He just needs a little bit more time to put it all together. or it's just You can't really compare him to Poe just yet based on where he went to school. For sure, for sure. And I realize that the small school comparison is really easy to make there, but Dontari Poe was a freak. Like, he was a freak athlete for a man that size. Not that Colin Saunders doesn't have freak explosion, but Dontari Poe was kind of an all-around freak athlete. He was able to do some stuff that other nose tackles were not able to do. Colin Saunders has a lot more room to grow. I I mean, he was pretty dominant at a lower level, but I wouldn't say he was as dominant as maybe Poe was maybe that last year. And then going into the combine, the buzz around Poe was significantly more than it was around Colin Saunders. That's not to say that he can't become what Dontari Poe was, but at this point, Saunders does need a little more seasoning. And I, I must add, we haven't seen Colin Saunders' ability to throw the football yet. So, I mean, that was a pretty critical component of Dontari Poe's uh, career. So, Colin hasn't, you know, we haven't seen Colin throw a ball yet. So I also haven't um, named him. We have seen after. clips of him as a running back. <laughs> what did you say, Maddie? We have seen clips of him as a running back, though. Yes, we have seen Colin Saunders oh, as a running I mean, back there. Yeah, that's that's true. Yep. That's true. Let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into some of the five star review questions that we got recently. Uh, thank you for leaving those; means a lot. Apparently, it's a good thing from what SB Nation tells us. So, Mizzou Chris asks: Do uh, any of the Chiefs' extra return men have any value? And which team is Dave Taub most likely to be the head coach for next year? Okay, so Dave Taub is going to be the head coach for the San Francisco 33ers after they tank Woo! this year. He's going to go over there and he's going to, you know, he's going to go ahead and take over there and he's probably going to go ahead and trade Tremont Smith over to San Francisco this year so that he can have him next year when he gets there. <laughs> anticipatory. Anticipatory <laughs> trade for that. I think I think Tremont Smith makes the most sense because he is a good returner. Uh, I think that the Chiefs have a lot of value at returner, a lot of guys that can make up the majority of what Tremont Smith can do, and they can also function at their position a little better than Tremont Smith can as well. So I do think that there is a small market, maybe a late, late round pick, a small market for a kick returner. We might see Tremont Smith get moved before the end of the season. 
Yeah, as far as Tobe coaching the team, he's been in the mix for about three years now, it sounds like. And at this point in time, you just have to wonder how his interviews go. They can't be going great if he's getting interviews and people are talking about him year after year and it's just not happening. And maybe he's just waiting for the perfect job, which is a possibility. But if I was a GM and I was looking at the Chiefs roster, the amount of pull that Dave Tobe seems to have specifically just to get special teams players on his roster or on the Chiefs roster, not even while he's the head coach, I'd be very nervous to give him that head coaching power. You might have 20 just pure special teamers on your team that don't play a lot of offense or defense at a high level, and that would scare me if I was a team. And as far as the returner, I think Byron Pringle, pre-Marcus Kemp injury, when you were maybe not going to have him as a lock to make the team, would have had a little bit of trade value. Find a team that needs wide receiver depth help, he can serve a purpose as a deep threat, and he's always shown good as a kick returner in college and in his limited reps in the NFL. But now with Marcus Kemper, I do think he makes the roster, so you, maybe somebody would have to pony up something real for him. But, I mean, that's about it. You kind of have to wait for an injury to trade a return man. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that Dave Tobe actually brought Frank Zombo into the interview for the head coaching position with him. So, uh, you know, that is something that's kind of up in the air, but it kind of feels like if he, he if he did indeed do that, that would probably really uh, eat into uh, his ability to uh, to win that job. Uh, okay, so um, another special teams question. We get a lot of special teams questions. Surprisingly, BL seventy three eighty five asks. He's been a season ticket season ticket holder since nineteen eighty nine. That's pretty cool. Uh, I was born in 1989, fun fact. Mm. Uh, why does famed special team coach Dave Tobe continue to allow Tremont Smith to return kickoffs from deep in the end zone going backwards? The Chiefs were 22nd in average kickoff return yards at 25 with zero TDs, Matthew. More fun facts. Kent is the only 80s baby in this podcast. Craig famously is from the 60s. I was born in 90s, so Kent is actually our only one born in the 80s. <laughs> However, it's part of Dave Tobe's shtick that he is aggressive with his return guys. He always has been. Those deep kicks, he's more than willing to let his return men bring it out. He's going to play the risk-reward game that they're going to break a longer return and get good field position. And it's not even really a field position game. It's just the chance to flip the field, to have that one big explosive play. And now when you have Patrick Mahomes leading your offense – why not? Is there a big difference between starting at the 20-yard line, the 25-yard line, the 18-yard line? It's all the same thing when you're expecting to have an offense this dynamic and explosive. So you might as well see if you get that 40, 50-yard return out of a Tremont Smith or anyone else. It, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me right now, but it definitely feels like the previous two, three, four years – they did a lot better. Even coming out of the end zone, the field position was a lot better. They were able to turn a lot more into that. It seems like since Tremont Smith has taken over that kickoff return, and I'm not trying to dunk on Tremont Smith because it very well might be blocking in front of him. I haven't done a very deep dive into special teams here, you guys, but it seems like, <laughs> uh, you know, that last year was the first year that we saw that become more of a problem than a solution because it seemed like they busted them every once in a while over the previous several years to last year, and that's worth it. You know, you get one or two, then you've more made up for the other 10 to 12 that you didn't get past that because that one or two might be the difference between a field goal and nothing, especially when Alex Smith is your quarterback. 
I tell you what, guys, seeing those Tremont Smith stats on the kick returns, it's just I don't know why. Why wouldn't you want to try to do everything to keep him? I mean, he, he moved to running back, didn't play any reps at running back this week. Uh, watch next week he moves to receiver. Uh, the week after that he moves to tight end. Maybe they give him a shot at you know left tackle the week after that. I they mean, need a swing tackle. They're trying to make quarterback. <laughs> uh, Lando Calrissian asks, and I love the name. Like that's an automatic lock to answer this question. Uh, could we see a trade with Chris Jones for a well-rounded corner to fill a need on this team? Thanks and keep up the great work. So. I don't think you're going to see one this year. I don't think Chris Jones is going to get traded this year to try to trade for a corner. What I could see happening is maybe the Chiefs move on from Chris Jones after this season. Uh, I mean, they're going to be paying a lot of people. So maybe they move on next year. Maybe it is for a corner. Maybe it's for a corner and a player. Maybe it's just for a collection of draft picks. But uh, I don't think this season you see a Chris Jones trade. I could very easily see one next year. Yeah, I'm with Kent there. I would like to see one. If there was a top-tier cornerback that's on a good deal or on the last year of a rookie deal that someone's going to have to pay and they don't want to keep and they wanted Chris Jones for him, say Jalen Ramsey, a question that we get all the time, I'd be more than willing to make that trade. I just don't think you're going to get it done this year. A team's not going to move on from a corner like that with having to pay Jones right away. The Chiefs aren't going to be too active in going out and making sure they do a move like that. So you're looking more at a tag and trade situation next year, similar to what the Seahawks did with Frank Clark. And I would say that's decently likely. I don't know if you'll get a corner back in return, but you'll at least get a chance to draft a corner. Yeah, uh, that's the only way that I can really see Chris Jones getting moved at this point. Um, Like I said a few podcasts ago, you can't pay that many top 50 players. I get that the salary cap is probably going to increase. The CBA may send it up even more. But at this point, you can't know what that's going to be quite yet. So trying to plan for that, trying to plan that it's going to go up a significant amount and paying him a significant amount as well kind of ties you up into some things if it doesn't go the way that you think the CBA discussions are going to go. So at this point, I think they sit on Chris Jones. I think if they get a great trade offer for him next year, like maybe a Frank Clark level or higher deal, maybe they make a move there. They move on knowing that they've still got to pay Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and some other guys coming up. So that may be the point where you see a major trade for a cornerback that can kind of help lock up their secondary a little more. Okay, Ryan P. Murray asks in the five-star reviews, will the offense need to average 35-plus points a game for a second straight year to keep up with a subpar secondary? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think that the unit as a whole has improved enough to the point where maybe they're not needing to go and get into as many shootouts. One of the things that I think is kind of important about this defense when you're taking into consideration is um, I think that they will be in more and long situations. So third and longs, uh, second and longs, more predictable um, situations where you know the, the offense is going to have to sling the ball around. Uh, and so that might help them if they're in some of those longer down and distances. I think they've done a lot and they've put a lot of effort and resources into making sure the run defense is uh, is good. So a ball control you know kind of offense might have a little bit more struggles against this unit. And uh, you know hopefully that's putting you know teams in 
less advantageous situations on second and third down, allow the pass rush to pin their ears back, help that secondary, that weak secondary out a little bit more. Yeah, and you're still going to get your fair share of shootouts with this Chiefs team. I think there's going to be offenses that are able to negate the pass rush enough and attack the linebackers or the cornerbacks down the field of the passing game. It's going to happen, but they won't need to average 35 points. It's a decently tough schedule, but the defense is going to be good enough to let the offense win some games with significantly less points than that. It's not going to be the same thing as last year. Offenses are going to have to really work to score 35-plus points in the Chiefs' defense this year. They're not going to be gifted eight-minute drives of just running halfback dive up the middle all the way down the field. That's not going to be the same. So it will be different. And even when it is a shootout like this, it won't be the Chiefs needing to score in two minutes while the defense bleeds out a six-, seven-minute drive every single time. So it'll at least be a little bit more back and forth. And I feel a lot more confident the Chiefs offense with Patrick Mahomes winning a back and forth than I would with any other offense or quarterback in the league. Yeah, and we kind of got to see a little bit of that this week early. Uh, Chiefs got some stops early on first and second down and made you know forced situations on third down where the quarterbacks kind of knew a little bit more what was coming. You know, they Steve Spagnuolo would show blitz, so the cornerbacks were able to kind of sit and man turn on quick outs or quick slants and things like that, dropping guys into throwing lanes. That allowed the defense to get off the field early a couple of times. It was very good, very positive situational football that we got to see. We didn't always see that last year. So because they got to be in some of those situations where Spagnuolo could force his hand a little more, it did kind of cover up what some of the cornerbacks had to do, how long they had to cover, you know, all the sorts of things that you worry about from that cornerback group. If you make it so that they can be a little more one-dimensional with their routes, with the things that the offense can do, it's just going to help that secondary a little more. And I do agree. I think the talent overall is a little bit better. I don't think that they're going to need to score 35 points a game to win. That doesn't mean that they won't, but I do think that they won't need to do so. Oh, they're still scoring. Oh. They are still scoring, my friend. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with questions from Twitter and questions from the live stream right after this. Taking questions now from the uh, the open line on Twitter. Ask for questions on Monday. That's when we normally do it. Kyle Richardson asks, do you think the Chiefs give EJ Gaines a look, Craig? You know, he was released with an IR designation. He had a serious groin injury that is kind of keeping him from making that Bills roster. He's a talented dude. He played in his own scheme before. I think if he was healthy, he would 100% be a guy that has the possibility to be on this team. But with where they stand right now, missing Morris Claiborne for the first four games, there is no chance that they're going to take another roster spot with a player that isn't going to be ready early in the season. So I don't think so. EJ Gaines is Jason Verrett light. So he is going to be hurt. He is going to get hurt with whatever team he plays for. And he'll play decent while he's out there. He'll last a few games, but he will get hurt. This year, he won't even start the season on time. I like EJ Gaines as a player. I wanted the Chiefs to bring him in a couple years ago when he was a free agent. 
He just isn't a guy that you can trust right now. And I'm not sure the Chiefs have the bodies to already in place that they can take a flyer on a guy that's just a big question mark right now. I mean, half the cornerback position is a flyer right now, if we're being honest. But uh, that's a you know, that's a good question, though. One Lost Wizard asks, crazy to think Cam Irving is on the bubble, Matthew? I don't think there's any chance Cam Irving's on the bubble because if he is cut, then you're relying on Dino Boyd or Pace Murphy to be your swing offensive tackle. Dino and Boyd, that's just, let's go. That's just simply not something you can do. I don't know that Cameron Irving's significantly better than them, but I at least trust that he's going to know most of the protections and be functional. I would actually prefer them to kick Andrew Wiley out the tackle if they needed somebody out there and put Cameron Irving back inside. But Cameron Irving doesn't save enough money to get rid of right now unless the offer is some kind of trade for a useful player like a cornerback or something. I just don't see any way he's off the roster. See, I am banking on Boyd. Let's go. Cam Irving looks awful at tackle. You don't awesome. even you don't even need to know anything about football to watch Cam Irving play on the outside and know that he has been not good against backups. Like it's not like he's getting destroyed. I mean, Bud Dupree got after him a little bit this week. Bud Dupree is at least a rotational pass rusher in that Steelers front, but he got beat up last week by the Bengals. I'm just not seeing it at all from him. I would rather give somebody else a shot. I'm calling around to see if anybody wants to give us anything for Cam Irving, try and upgrade the position, maybe get another guy in that can offer a little more to the 53 than Cam Irving might. Yeah, so this weekend we started the Herbivores, a Herb Miller fan club. We're also going to start the Dinosaurs, a Dino Dino Boyd fan club as well. So, uh, you know, we're going to be very disappointed here when Dino Boyd gets cut. <laughs> Same with like, yeah, no, uh, Herb's going to get cut. Daryl the Barrel Williams is going to get cut. Uh, we haven't got anything for the Fields fan club yet, but, you know, we'll, we got time still. Uh, so you're saying the Chiefs are doing a public service in eliminating all of your terrible nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> That is going to be celebrating if all these guys get released. These guys' you know, livelihoods and their dreams being ended. Uh, Maddie's going to be pulling a John Gruden and, and, and wishing for those nightmares on those guys because the nicknames can just go away. Uh, Derek Vreeland asks, this is kind of uh, on point here too. <laughs> Kent, why are you so mean to Matt when his very detailed <laughs> takes are always spot on? Hashtag show Maddie some love. Yeah, that is a good question. <laughs> I don't know, Matt. I don't know. There's just something about, you know, your your literalness, uh, your your length of take. I don't know. Something in me just feels like trying to dunk on you at any chance I get. I don't know. I like that you used the word trying to because that is how it would go down if you tried to dunk on me, Kent. <laughs> Three-point competition. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> it's a love-hate relationship. I love Kent. I love Craig. Craig loves me. Kent kind of hates me. It's just, it is what it is. It happens. <laughs> I just, I just love the hashtag. Let's, let's keep that around. Hashtag show Maddie some love. 
And can, can but, someone be, be can careful someone with that? Nobody in, search that. I don't. I don't want anybody to be sitting at work and search that. That that might come up with something you're you're not interested in there. So how, how about an olive branch? I, I've been asking people to send uh, Maddie barrel gifts. How about this? How about Prince gifts? Prince specifically with uh, the hashtag show Maddie some love. The best Prince gift wins, and it can't be Dave Chappelle dressed as Prince. Has to be real mm. prince. So mm. let's. There's an olive branch to Maddie. Uh, Adam Cole asks, "I haven't heard much about Jordan Lucas. How has the Lucas locomotive been doing?" Another nickname that was actually a Maddie invention. Believe it or not. Good job, Maddie. There's Choo-choo. some compliments for you. Uh, what? Uh, how is how has Jordan Lucas been doing? And what are his strengths, Matthew? Unfortunately, Jordan Lucas is kind of buried on the depth chart right now with the addition of Juan Thornhill and just kind of the coaching staff's overall trust in Dan Sorensen, he seems like he's kind of their third free safety, deep safety guy out there in the rotation, which is fine. He's a guy that provides an ability to play deep safety. He's a lengthy guy. He has good range. He kind of has some man coverage skills. So he has a use for some teams, but in the system the Chiefs are running, they don't need four or five safeties that can kind of do a little bit of everything. And that's where Jordan Lucas is right now. Right now, he's mostly making his name on special teams. He's been out there in a lot of special team snaps. He's looked pretty good doing so. It sounds like the Chiefs kind of like him out there, so he should be on the roster. He can fulfill that deep safety role, maybe play a little bit of corner if they get into a super big pinch in the way these cornerbacks look. That's quite possible. So he's out there. He's doing his thing. He's just The hype for him as a starter has kind of died off as the system changed over and they added a crazy influx of talent at the position. Yeah, I I would agree with all of that, with what Matt said. And just kind of because we talk about Dave Tobe and his short shorts a lot and how he (laughs) makes roster decisions, Dave Tobe might be the reason that Jordan Lucas stays on this roster. Uh, Jordan Lucas is a good special teamer. He's a good gunner. Uh, He's good on kickoff returns. He's a guy that Dave Tobe likes on the outside there. So... He might be a player that gets to stick around, whereas another guy that maybe might be a little more useful on offense or defense isn't going to stick around because Tobe wants him. And, I mean, from our perspective, we were very big fans of Jordan Lucas. I mean, we gave him the nickname. We we liked what he did last year. We'd like to see him get some more opportunities. You know, but we'll see. I, I do think that right now he's pretty clearly the fifth safety on the roster. And right now, his special teams ability is what's saving him. Yeah. And maybe, you know, if, if Jordan Lucas, you know, if they feel like they can find the special teams value elsewhere, maybe he's a guy that they dangle to a team because I think he did some good stuff as a safety, as a, as a safety last year. And obviously he does have that special teams value. Maybe they move on from him again. Uh, I I still like him. I'd rather him be here for another year, see what they can get out of him. Jim Nightshade asks, with Marcus Kemp out, do the Chiefs go with a, uh undrafted free agent, or do you keep an eye on the cuts to add a wide receiver? Um, I think at this point, they probably have enough to kind of sort through right now. Uh, Cody Thompson you know, if he shows some special teams ability, I think he's a guy that makes a ton of sense to keep around because I really like his ability as a receiver. Uh, I haven't really noticed him at all on special teams. He has probably the best special teams highlight of anyone uh, on this team or in this league because he caught a punt off of a guy's foot. 
but uh, I haven't really seen a ton from him yet on special teams, so that probably is something to keep an eye on this week and then next week. Uh, so my guess is they probably just address it with the group in-house, uh, and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, and I think if you kind of break down the Chiefs wide receiver group, you have your top three guys are all kind of veterans of the team. They've all been here for two or more years now with Sammy Watkins having the least amount of experience, but he's also been in the league the longest. So you have some veteran guys at the top of your roster. You then have a second-year guy in Byron Pringle kind of fighting for a spot. Then the two rookies of Cody Thompson, McCole Hardman. At the very most, you maybe get Garrett Dieter back if you're dying for some veteran presence. If he is healthy enough to go, he's always an option. I think some people, myself included, forget he is still hanging around. The fact that he hasn't been out there at all for almost a month now does make me think that there is something that is really wrong, that he might not be ready. But you're, I think you're okay with three veterans to start, Byron Pringle in the second year. I think that's enough experience in the NFL and with this system to keep the two rookies as kind of your depth wide receiver options yeah and Marcus Kemp it's really unfortunate for him to go down because it did seem like he was having a really good preseason it did seem like he was finally developing as a receiver like we were starting to see little flashes the catch he made in traffic where he got hurt was a good catch that's a tough catch for him to pull down so they really probably were looking for a guy that can play a couple different positions and contribute on special teams. For now, that's Cody Thompson, Byron Pringle. I think those kinds of guys, that's fine to round out the bottom of the roster, but for a guy like Dave Tobe trying to, you know, have those types of players on his team, that is something that's a little bit of a blow to the team. KC Royal 5280 asks, and Maddie, this is a chance for you to just go ahead and dunk on me. Pretend can't replace Mahomes at QB for a game. There is a guarantee that he would not get hit in the pocket. What would his stats be with this offense? <laughs> so Kent and I actually had this conversation when I was in Kansas City last in his basement about what type of quarterback he would be. And unfortunately, I think the thing kind of came up. If you're, I don't think Kent was going to be the, the gunslinger, vertical threat passing quarterback that uh, this offense kind of has right now. So we're going to get a lot more, nope. of an Alec, more of an Alex Smith type stat line out of kid. He might have a lot of completions if you can guarantee that he's going to be safe in the pocket. He might get a lot of swing passes. He might hit Travis Kelsey over the middle. So I'm thinking something like 12 for 36 for 113 yards and a touchdown. Ooh. Oh, you're giving me 12 completions? <laughs> Listen, you're throwing the ball to Damian Williams. You're throwing the ball to Darwin Thompson and Travis Kelsey. Maybe you'll do some, like, slip screens. You're not doing a bubble. You're not throwing to the sideline. You're definitely a tunnel screen kind of thrower. But I, I think this offense can get some – oh, a lot of pot passes too. I Hey, do, hold on. Do you remember Do you remember who my comp was? Trevor was Simeon. It, uh, Trevor Simeon? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, Maddie asked me for a comp on on who I thought I was, and like, just the way like I I I'm Trevor Simeon, like that's just that I was I was not good. I just like, I, I wanted to give Ke- Case I sat Keenum, in a good room, but we though. decided that Case Keenum was too scrappy, so we had to go back yeah. to Trevor Simeon. <laughs> and he lucked into too much success, like you know, like I just. 
I tried I just, to offer him I Kirk Cousins, but room. he said no. He said he's too good for Kirk. No. No, that's exactly right. I think no, that's exactly I think you're right. you're one for four. Like they're gonna let you throw four passes. You're gonna complete one for three yards, and then you're gonna hand the ball off sixty-four times. They're gonna let me do the zone re I'm gonna keep one. They're never gonna suspect it. Yeah, that's negative that's, two yards. That's yeah, that's Tripped when you come out ways. of the game because you get broken into a billion pieces. Arden Key finally get makes a play. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm playing this the Raiders in this great situation. With our question that came from Mr. Gil Choir Guy and asked Ken to list all the current Chiefs he could beat in a parking <laughs> lot foot race. I mean, it's like. I don't know. Uh, I feel like I could probably beat like Khalil McKenzie down the field. I, I don't think what you could. It, what was his 40 time? I, about Ryan Hunter. I, no, I don't think you could. You know, you, you are famously the guy that claims that you can run a sub-808 second three-cone, and we all know that that's untrue. We, we know Maddie did it. Yeah. Um, anybody who looks at you and looks at Maddie, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. <laughs> I'd agree, buddy. By the way, I'm back. I'm lightweight. I'm back. I'm lightweight. I, I could wear light shoes. Uh, the fact that you think light maybe. shoes is the cure for running a good three cone. All these dudes out here in their heavy shoes slowing down their three cone times. That was Jalen is- Ferguson's problem. He just accidentally had an eight ounce shoe instead of a six ounce shoe. Would have fixed everything. I what what I mean that's what the term heavy footed comes from, right, uh, guys? I mean it's your shoes. It's, their, it's, it's their their shoes. shoes. It's their shoes. Uh. This is no slander, but if there was one person I had to put my money on that I could be in a parking lot race, I would do Justin Hamilton. I do believe that I could take him in a parking lot foot race. Again, no offense, he's a much Me better too, um, football player than I can ever dream to be. But I do believe that I could take him in a parking lot foot race. I uh, I 100% can't beat anybody on that team in a parking lot foot race. I can't. Says I the avid I, runner I, of the group. <laughs> Craig, we we might need to do we might need to do a combine Ugh. at some point. We might need to do a, a combine just to see what happens. You hear it here first, uh, guys. Craig blows out his knee on video. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, I uh, I just hope it's a good arthritis. Are we doing like day. the high school bench or the NFL bench? Oh, I'm not doing the bench. I'm just I'm opting out. Like a true diva. Like a true diva. I'm not even the bench doesn't matter. We're not trying to we're, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not blocking anyone. I'm not a I'm not a big ugly O O lineman. I'm just curious if Matt could like sextuple up the both of us combined, Kent, on, on the bench. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he probably oh. could. My bench is actually negative fifty. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. I mean, all right. Okay, let's, let's get off on. the combine that, and back to Chiefs. <laughs> what a very enjoyable aside that was, though. Uh, Ty, Triple Rinse One asks if Veach knew how the outcome of the Tyree Kill situation at the time of the draft. Uh, wh- who do you think he would have picked? Uh, maybe it was he says maybe DK Metcalf with the same pick. So if this let's just say the Tyree Kill situation didn't happen, who do the Chiefs take with their first pick in the second round? I think that they trade up 
for a corner. I think we see a cornerback get taken in that position. Um, I, I'm going to say they, they leapfrog New England and go get Joe Juan Williams because that, I, I like Joe Juan. The length, the speed, I, we've kind of seen a little bit of a prototype for what Spags wants with some of their additions so far. I think Joe Juan would have fit that pretty well. So I, I'm going to go with Joe Juan. I think it stays the same. I think it's McCall Hardman. I think that is a guy that they did actually eye coming into the draft. I do wonder if the Tyreek Hill news kind of pressured them to make the trade up. So maybe they sit at their original pick and see if Hardman's there rather than trading up for him. And if he's not, maybe somebody like DK Metcalf is then an option. But I do think Hardman was a guy they were targeting. And I'm with Craig. I think they were looking at a cornerback. I just don't know if they were willing to go up as far as they were going to have to for a cornerback with or without the Tyree Kill situation. I just... Even with the Tyree Kill situation, cornerback was a bigger need, and they still didn't make the move to go get Joan Williams. So that's my only thing, thinking that they might not have wanted to trade up that far. Part of me wonders, though, um, if they thought that cornerback was a bigger need. Just because maybe, like, I think Andy does does covet that, that, that vertical stretch with, with his offense. And maybe he just felt like to make Pat move, and, and to you know to help Pat the best that they possibly can that they are going to go out and select you know someone with that you know that speed trait. Uh, I tend that's more me thinking out loud. I tend to agree that they probably still prior should have prioritized corner or would have priori- prioritized corner, but uh, it's it's hard to know for sure. Um, but yeah, I I think you know maybe a guy like Sean Bunting, maybe they go and move up for a guy like Sean Bunting because I Woo! think he wound up Woo! going. Maybe he did. Did he go after? No, he didn't. No, Mm-mm. Sean Bunting went thirty nine. So maybe Joan might be the right move. Joan might be the right play there. I think he might have been the last of that tier. So, I think so uh, too. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I don't know. If, I don't think DK Metcalf was in the plans though. I, if they were going to go receiver, I think they wanted. You know, I think they were. I think Mikol was the guy. Uh, I think they would have just Mikol. Mikol King. Mikol. I I got it right last week. I, I <laughs> just need to avoid Mikol questions. I guess. Uh, let's close it on. I this still one. don't see at this point in time how. There's something that DK Metcalf couldn't do that McCall Hardman can do, and I get it. I understand that they we're past this point, but just because DK Metcalf wasn't given the ball in an end around, like he is capable of at least turning a semicircle of a corner and running an end around, and at his size and speed with his ability with the ball in his hands, I do not see how he would not be in competition for the spot unless he they just wanted a punt returner. That said, I could buy that McCall Hardman, Paris Campbell. Guys of that nature were ahead of DK Metcalf on their pecking order. Just DK Metcalf fills exactly the same role as McCole Hardman. He just comes in a completely different body package. Mm-hmm. Dave Tobe, man, wasted. Dave Tobe, yeah. Well, you saw Dave. You saw Dave Tobe on the phone with McCole. Mm-hmm. See, I got it right there. Congratulations to me. Wasted motion asks on cut down day. How many players do you predict the Chiefs will end up signing that are cut from other teams? So if we're not including, we were kind of talking about this off the podcast a little bit because it was a question we got on our live stream. We were talking about how many players we think the Chiefs are going to sign that are going to affect the 53-man roster before the first regular season game. So I'm kind of altering it to fit that because we talked about how 
Allen, Jeff Allen might come into play here. And I'm going to go ahead and include him and say he counts. So I think you're going to get one more after Jeff Allen. I think they are going to bring in another cornerback that is going to make the 53 before the season starts. I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm going with two total players, one of which is Jeff Allen, who might actually be signed before that actual cutdown day. Yeah, I I think, oh man, that's close. I do think that they sign a corner. I do think that they round out the rest of their corner depth. I do think that if we're including Jeff Allen, he counts as the second guy. If, 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 if they find a wide receiver maybe that they like a little better than Cody Thompson, maybe can contribute a little more on special teams, we might see a third move there. We can also look for maybe a backup offensive lineman as well. I know Jeff Allen kind of fills that role, but he's mostly interior. If they find a good swing tackle that hits the market there at cutdown day, I can see maybe a fourth guy getting added. So last year, they added an offensive lineman through the waiver wild process, if you remember, but very briefly. I think it was Ike Boker. Butker, Boker, B-O-E-T-G-E-R, something like that. Uh, so they had him for a very short stint. I, I think once some of the moves, I think he lasted like a week, if that. So, you know, the the hard thing for them is from from a true waiver wire perspective, it's going to be hard for them because they're the 29th team in the waiver wire order. Uh, so it's going to be hard for them to claim a guy. Uh, but maybe they're able to... Um, you know, maybe they're able to make a move for a guy like a cornerback. Uh, obviously, I think that one—that's probably the most logical place that they could wind up making a move. So, uh, that's that's kind of where I go. That's gonna do it for this week's episode, the Mailbag Edition. We will be back later in the week to preview the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 33ers. We'll catch y'all later.